0: Look, look with me at Genesis chapter 10, because that's where I want to start, and uh, every time I go to this chapter here, um, <laughs> I think of that, did uh, uh, you hear about that pastor that he was doing, doing his Saturday visitation, as his custom was, and there was one, and there was one man that missed church the week before? And uh, he normally made it, but he wasn't there the week before, so so the pastor went to his house on a Saturday to visit him and see if he was okay. And so he pulls up at his house, and the driveway, his car was in it, and, and he walked walked through the garden area there, all the way to his front door, and he heard the TV on, and knocked on the door, and nobody answered, and knocked, and knocked again, lights were on in the house. and, and uh, uh, well, what happened was the man was taking a shower or he had just got out of the shower and he heard the knocking But he didn't have any clothes on, you know, so he didn't want to answer the door So he was just hoping that he would knock and leave and the pastor knocked and knocked and knocked And finally he pulled out one of his cards his business card and he stuck He wrote something on the back and he stuck it in the door and he he walked on down the driveway and walked, got in his car and left well when the man saw that he left he he opened the door and got that card and uh, on the back of the card, all it said was a verse of scripture. It just said Genesis 3.20. I mean, excuse me, Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20. And the man said, well, I'm not sure I know what that means. So he looks it up. And when he looks it up in the Bible, Revelation 3.20 said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come in to him and dine with him and him with me. And that was the pastor's funny little clever way of telling him that I've been here, you know. And that was a good, good little joke there. And the man chuckled. And So the next day, he did go to church. And... and uh, Uh, When the pastor was done preaching, he went back to his office there and somebody had left a, uh, they'd laid a a card that they found in the offering plate and it was the man had left his business card. And all he did was wrote on the back of his Genesis 3.10. And uh, in fact, it's right there, we're looking at it. In Genesis 3.10, the pastor said, I'm not sure I remember exactly what that says. So he opened his Bible and looked at Genesis 3.10 and it said, um, what's it say? Said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here we are, and I'm going to st- I'm going to read this here in Genesis three, actually nine and ten, and uh, what we're going to uh, look at this morning. Now, 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 get this. Open your heart and mind to this because this is important. This is this is big. This is something that I have have consistently run into everywhere that that I go. And I I, I realize finally with clarity what we're dealing with here is this, there is the biggest lie that I can can see, the biggest scam in all of humanity, the, the biggest thing that derails all of mankind and most of the church world is this lie called perfection now there is perfection i totally believe in perfection but what's wrong is man's definition of perfection it has it has caused people in the church to not go to church anymore it has caused christians that 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 will never leave church to still struggle and not and still struggle with their faith, still struggle with, with uh, uh, self-worth, still, suffer, still, still struggle with, with receiving the, the goodness of God and the blessings of God in their life. And, and it's something that's common in the world and the church, and it started right here in Genesis chapter 3. And, and man has a wrong, false definition. It's a lie. God doesn't think like this. God doesn't do it, but man's definition of perfection means to be without flaws. A perfect diamond has no flaws. They'll tell you that a perfect face has no flaws. A perfect body has no flaws. A perfect flower, a perfect, a perfect anything, they'll tell you, is their definition is, is it is in perfection only if it has no flaws to it. And so this is, and because, and because man thinks this, has thought it since the fall of man, and religion thinks it, man thinks it in the in the religious sense, in the religious world. That's why even in Christianity, we'll say, even things that will say, well, well, God, you know, I know that Jesus has made us perfect. I know we're perfect in Him. I know spiritually we're perfect, but we're still being, God's still you know, working to make us perfect in our actions and all that. I'll tell you why that's wrong right there is because we're defining perfection as having no flaws. And we're chasing a carrot on the stick because it's not real. It's a fable. It's a fantasy. It's, li- it's a lie. Now, a lot of people in the world they'll agree with me on that, and they'll say, "Yeah, I don't believe in perfection. It's not. There's no such thing." Well, the difference between me and 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 that is that I do believe in perfection. It's just that I know what perfection really is, and it's not it's not to be without flaws. Now, here in Genesis three, we look at this story and. And I guess for the past three years, I, I can't preach without, without referring back to this because this is where it all went south. Looking at and looking at what really happened and how, how everything went bad was right here. And with the restoration of Jesus, what He did was undid that bad and He brought, brings us com, uh, completely home in reconciliation with Him. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, it's where we see they eat the, they, they've eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Adam, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I told, I told you not to eat? In other words, he's saying, you would never know that. You've been naked all this time, Adam. It didn't, it didn't matter to me and it didn't matter to you. That was never the issue. Right. That's good. Huh? You were naked this whole time. Yeah. Who told you that? It wasn't me. I don't do that. Right. Yes. There is no condemnation in me. Right. Huh? Yes. The only way you could know that is that you went the way that you chose the knowledge of good and evil. You, you, you chose the way that I told you. And I told you, Adam, not do it because it, it'll, it'll kill you. And Adam became, what, what happened is man became about self. Now it's about us. It didn't matter. You know why it didn't matter? Because it was all about God. It didn't matter what we were. It didn't matter if we were clothed or naked or tall or short or, or what, it didn't. Nothing mattered. All that mattered, God it would, would, would be our life. God would be our protection. God would be our provision. God would be our fullness. God would be our self-worth. God would be the fullness of him that fills everything and everybody. It didn't even matter what we looked like. But when we went that way, when we, when we went after carnality, to make it about us, to make it about our senses, what do we do? We look at us and we see, what's the first thing we notice? We see something wrong about us. A flaw. That needs to be fixed. And we can't be worthy, we can't be right unless we fix what we just now saw was wrong. So we cover ourselves. huh? Well, I was naked. I needed to be clothed. But that didn't matter. And it's been that way ever since. Mankind has, since that time, has strived to be better. Has strived to make himself better. We've done it with religion. We have. We have, you, you, the, 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 some of the biggest, biggest businesses that that people are starting up every single day is they are self help people in every area, whether it's your food or your money or your body or your or your your whatever success, whatever your your fat. Everybody everybody now is a self-help master. And if you'll, you'll buy my program, I'm going to finally cause you to be what you've been trying to be all this time. I'm finally going to get rid of those flaws that you've been trying to get rid of. And, and man keeps trying to perfect himself. And in the church, they do that. They keep, they, they use this beautiful gospel somehow and twist this gospel to make it some kind of way that, uh, that we're supposed to become perfect. And we we think that God's whole purpose for doing this was that we could become perfect without flaws when that was never God's definition of perfect. Man made that up. Adam made that up only after he got the knowledge of good and evil. Then he, he, he believes a lie and he makes up Believing this deception that, that I have to become without flaws. Hmm? So Christians, so we adopt, that's how we, we took this beautiful word holiness and somehow we made it carnal perfection. Hmm? Took this word holiness and in some, most churches what it meant was that we, that holiness was that we acted more perfect. With less flaws. Less mistakes, less sins, less things wrong. And so much of the religion is directed at, at getting something wrong out of you. Hmm? Gotta get you know, and, and it's about get the sin out of you, get the sin out of you. And that's why in church we're never good enough. So we keep having preaching, no matter no matter how much we love the Lord, no matter how long we've loved the Lord, no matter how secure we are in the Lord. Lots of flaws, but doing our best. With what we got, with where we're at, and somehow we keep, you know, we'll come in and preach and keep thinking. What we need is to try to inspire you to get rid of more flaws. (laughs) Try to inspire you if you've been praying three hours a day. That ain't good enough. You got to do. You got to do seven hours a day. Some holy number: three, seven, twelve, something. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it is, see a lot of times our, our evangel or our, 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 the the type of evangelistic ministry they're just preaching to to to, to church people. Uh, it's trying to motivate you to do be something better than how you're acting right now. Yeah. Hmm? And that's why no matter how much, and I, and I, and I, I live this. I mean, I always say I don't know anybody that tried harder than me. I prayed more than anybody. I shouted louder. I jumped higher. I, 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 I stayed longer. I, I mean, I, did, I, did, I did, did all of it. And you know what? Almost everybody around me <clears throat> would look at me and they would think that they would like to be like that. They want to be able to pray like I did. They wanted to, they wanted to have that passion and a pursuit like I did. But you know how I felt? No matter how much I did, I wasn't getting there. I still wasn't there. It was never enough because because once you do it, once you achieve something, what do we do? We move the goalposts back again. Hmm? And we stay on this merry-go-round. We just keep going and going, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Never attaining. Hmm? Hmm? Like Carol was saying here, up here, you know, is that that satisfaction that you that you that you have in you, have in God. In Jeremiah 31, 14, God said, My people will be satisfied by my goodness. And satisfaction is not complacency, that means fullness. Satiated. Full. Heart full. You know what happens with a heart that's full? You don't need to be selfish anymore because your heart's full. You're loved. You're in the Garden of Eden. You're taken care of. It ain't even about you. Well, what about people treat me this way? You don't care about that. You're full of God. You don't care if they love you. You love them. <laughs> huh? You get bigger because of, what, because of what God's done in you. And that's where the real perfection is. I'm going to show you something here. If, if, if we think that perfection means to be without flaws, then look around at God's beautiful creation if, 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 if creation means to be without flaws, then God has never made a perfect thing in his life. Man. Look at the mountains. They're not perfectly shaped. You know what happened if man makes mountains? We do. We call them skyscrapers. Go to the cities and look. We got mountains in there. They're perfectly geometrical shaped. They're rectangular square. They're right. There are no right angles in God's nature. God has never used right angles to make anything. Now it's a great engineering device and that man has come up with, but 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 because with man a perfect we, what we call a perfect square, not one degree off, not one flaw. God doesn't use a perfect square in any of any of the things that He has created out here, and we think creation's beautiful. The mountains are lopsided, the trees are gnarly. They're not perfect trees. I got a perfect tree. I got a perfect tree by man's definition. I got a perfect tree in my house. It's in my attic. I bring it out at Christmas. It's made of plastic. <laughs> and by man's definition, without flaws, it is perfect. Every branch is perfect, the perfect length. I mean, yeah. it is perfect. They are exactly as, they're, as they should be. But, but it don't look near as pretty as the imperfect ones that God made. And when I say imperfect, it's not imperfect by God's definition. It's imperfect by our definition. But we think it's beautiful. We want to straighten everything out. God ain't never made a straight river in his life. Man's made lots of them. Every, every river God ever made was crooked. Depths aren't, 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 you know, they're not the same. They're not consistent. I've seen lots of man-made rivers. They're straight as an arrow. They're not pretty. You don't want to take a boat on a, on a man's canal or navigation channel. We want to go down one of them crooked God-made rivers. (laughs) But it's perfect. It's beautiful. We look at a creation and what are we looking at? We feel like we're looking at perfection when when we look at it. We look out over a valley and we look at that and it just ministers to us because we're looking at God's beautiful handiwork and we're saying man could never make anything that good. But there's not a perfect thing about any of it according to man's definition to be without flaws. God did not create you to be without flaws. If you'll be honest about it, if you look at man and and, and being naked by himself, he's totally flawed. Only with God is the completeness done in man. Hmm? You were never supposed to be without flaws. My Bible says God chose on purpose, he chose the weak and the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of the wise, which says, no, it has to be without flaws. So what is perfection? Look at creation. Why is it so beautiful? Why why are the trees not perfect? Why are the mountains not perfect? Why are the rivers not perfect? But why does it look perfect? Because Colossians 3.14 says it. This is the contemporary English version because it says it the clearest. Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. King James will call it the bond of peace. Love is what ties it all together. So here's what perfection is. Perfection is not the absence of flaws. Perfection is God's perfect love in the midst of flaws. That, are you hearing me? That's perfection. No wonder, Paul, I'll boast in my infirmities, my weaknesses. Because in my weakness... That's where the, the the strength of God is perfect. It's perfect in me. Are y'all here? And I'm saying this because listen, we we, we want to kill that that lie. No, I, we don't see. This is what causes people to think that they've never arrived. They're never there. I'm not there, brother Rick. How do I get there? And you want to tell them you're there. You just you're looking at the wrong thing here you've been perfected forever and it ain't just some legal spiritual only kind of thing that, that, that doesn't really mean anything to to us in our natural life day to day it means everything to us you wake up in the holiness and the beauty the, the beauty of holiness and perfection in him cuz you I, I i dare say i don't ever see me in in this life ever I don't think it's, it was, it's, it's the plan for me to come to some idea of being without flaws. We don't even know what it, what it really would even look like. Because every time we make ourselves perfect, we, we change it again, what it's supposed to be. How many years have some of us done that? You know, how, many, how, how many years have I felt like if I just get this one more thing in my life straightened out, I'll finally be what God really wants me to be. And then you, get it, you work at it and you get it fixed. You get victory over it. And doggone if you don't find something else. And if you don't, they will. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm? Because it's fake. It's false. It's not real. There's no such animal, no such thing. And we believe that. Mankind has believed that since the fall of man has been on this quest to, to get rid of the flaws because we believed a lie. We thought if we got rid of the flaws that that would fix us and that was never the intention never the plan god never made us that way he made us very very weak and flawed and incomplete except in him he would be our completeness why do you think why do you think he he made us naked in the first place why didn't he cover us he made the bears and the deer he covered them with fur made the birds gave them feathers so they wouldn't have to walk around in underwear Remember the Tennessee bird walk? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, hmm? fish have scales. Everybody, they all got something to protect them. Something to pr- protect them from the elements. There's things about them that he gave them, ways that they, could, that, that, that they could provide for themselves. They got weaponry to defend themselves, whether it's just protective coloration or whether it's antlers or claws or strength or speed or something. And we got none of that. We're relatively slow in the animal world, <laughs> naked. No claws, no big long teeth. Bears and lions are stronger than us. Amen. We're so incomplete, so flawed. He made us that way on purpose. He didn't make us stronger than the bear, faster than the antelope. You know. Didn't give us camouflage to hide. What did he give us? Him. Right. He was our all in all. He was our provision. Yes. He was our, he provided, he would protect, he would cover, he would complete. Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew 6, he says, don't, don't, don't be anxious about anything. Your father knows that you need these things. See, the whole father's, the father's heart in the beginning was that he could, he would be the provider. Why are we created in the first place? So we could be on some quest of, of, of perfection? Because God had all these, these high standards. See, we talk about that too. Well, there's a standard. to keep. Throw that away. Yeah. The standard was met. The standard was kept by Jesus. Standard was given to us. Hmm? Now, I know Paul talked about, you know, you know live this way, don't lie, and, and don't let the ministry be plain. Yeah, that's a given there. We know that. We shouldn't have to be preaching that all the time. <laughs> But, but if, only, if all we do is preach living up to a standard, then what we're doing is preaching a carnality because we're putting it on us to try to attain something. But if we preach the fullness of God, see, I'll tell you, this is my experience. I found this. This is why I'm crazy about it. When I saw... When I laid on that floor of my church and and the heavens opened up and I saw that everything I was trying to get from God, everything I was trying to be in God, I already had it and I already was. He filled my heart with all that he is and I never wanted again because the Lord became my shepherd. And I didn't need to protect me anymore because I was full. I was covered. And I've been protected ever since. I didn't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. How am I going to be clothed? I mean, the father knew that I would need these things in these worlds. Never had to worry. Never had to be stressed again. Because you've had a sense of fullness which brought perfect peace all the time. See, before this, it was on me. I was trying to get peace. I was trying to talk myself into having peace. Before that... You know, somebody would, you know, I'd get stabbed in the back sometime. I'd get betrayed. It hurt. And I would have to try to forgive. I knew that's what you're supposed to do, and I would mean it, and I would try. But something's different now. I don't even have to try. You do something to me, you're just forgiven. They don't even, it's not even the same anymore. Woo! This is fullness. This is real, people. This is what, I mean, I... If you cross that line from carnal perfection and carnal pursuit, even carnal pursuit in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, and realize where you're at, that you're in the garden, that you're with God. He's all in all, and He's not... Listen, I found out He never expected me to be strong. He intended to be my strength. All the time. Yeah. He, did, he wasn't waiting to see if I could muster up enough love in my heart to have love and passion in pursuit of Him. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to know that He loved me. That would take care of my love for Him. I used to beg God, help me love you, Lord. I want to love you. I'd read about David. i said, I want to be about David. He would just cry and say, oh, Lord, I just want to know you, Lord. I want to be with you, oh, Lord. I thought, As the deer panneth after the water brooks so much, soul long after thee, I want to be like David. And be like, David was crying because he wanted to be like you. David was crying. God said David was crying because David wanted to be like we are. He wanted to have what we have when I saw fullness I didn't cry like David anymore I didn't didn't pray that God would help me love him anymore it's been years and years and years and years since I prayed that God would help me love him he loves me now I just love him I wake up and I just love him we hear hear each other talking about all the time going down the road Father I love you oh God I love you (laughs) oh God so good it's just always bubbling out all the time because you're just aware of goodness. You're full. See, why were we created? Because God had all these rules that he, would, he wanted us to keep, and, and, but he, so he makes us with weak flesh, and, and we can't keep them anyway because we're so weak, and then we're going to fail, and then he gets to burn us all up. And, you know, we've got all these wonderful rules, but nobody to keep them, so let us make man. You know, Why did he do that? Because God is love. And the heavens of heavens could not contain the love of God. He, What does love want? It wants somebody to give it to. <laughs> if there's any kind of need, if I could use that word, and I don't know if that's the right word, but if there's any kind of need that love has, it has, it has a need to give. It has a need to bless. <coughs> needs an object. That's why we're here. That's why I'm on this earth. I am here to be loved by God, to receive of his goodness and his abundance, his life, to enjoy that. And I found out one of the best ways I can worship him is to enjoy the life that he's given me. Aren't you afraid and joy in life? You might, you might just slip over into, in, in, into sin. All that fear is gone. That's not an issue anymore. The fullness of God becomes the issue. Yeah. See, the only, reason, the only reason sin is an issue is because people are still about their self. Right. Hmm? And all sin comes from, real, from, from a self, selfishness, self-centeredness anyway. And that self-centeredness moves away when it becomes God-centered. Right. Huh? That's why I quit preaching about what's wrong with you. I preach about what's right with God in us. Huh? With us with God. Huh? Union with God. And union with God, the Bible says that he's joined to God as one spirit, not two. It's not, there's just me and God here together somewhere. You become one person here. A new creation. Come on, somebody. Huh? Now That's where your perfection is. That's, what, that's perfection. That is perfection. Perfection. There ain't nothing more perfect than where you're at right now and what you are. You start, you start looking at this, oh my goodness. See, what Paul say in Romans chapter, chapter 8, verse 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh, what's that? According to your carnality, your outer man, your works, the world around you, what you do, how good you do, how bad you do, what is that? That's all flesh. Huh, that's all flesh performance. huh? We'll judge people's Christianity on that. Judge ourselves on that. And, and that, that, that's got no, no, nothing to do with the judgment and discernment in Christ. Hmm? I mean, we're so dumb when we look at it. I mean, when I say we, you know, I mean, not me. <laughs> right? But, but we, in the church world, we, we draw these lines wherever it suits us. Well, you know, Brother Rick, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, but at least I ain't doing what he's doing. And that's all just, flesh, just just, outer performance. And outer performance, outer manifestations, whether it's acts of goodness or acts of sin, it's just, those are just outer manifestations. And the church, is, church world has made a mistake by trying to stop the outer manifestations, and you, and you can't do it. All you can do, you can pick fruit, and it'll come back next season again. Hmm? got to make the tree good how's a tree good the tree's good in perfection in him you got to walk in this you got you wake up as a man thinks in his heart so is he you wake up thinking you're perfect you're going to act pretty good you're going to love you're going to you're going to you're going you're to love in a more perfect way by that i mean you're going to love in, the, in an unselfish way and it's automatic when you walk in the spirit i'm telling you that's how the yoke is easy and the burden is light without this it's hard <laughs> Those who live according to the flesh are are those who set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now see, this has been in the Bible a long time. For so many years in my younger years in church, people would say that to walk in the flesh means to commit a sin. Well, it'll, it'll result in that, of course. But he says, those that live according to the flesh, what it means is they're setting their attention, their mind, their focus on the things of the flesh. What is that? What's wrong with you? That's the thing of the flesh. We'll get in church. What the church. What's wrong with the church today? She needs this and she needs that. And so then we go out trying to get rid of it. Uh-huh. Hmm? Yeah. We'll get somebody to motivate us. No matter how hard we're trying, they'll get us feeling bad because we must not be trying, 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 trying good enough. And we'll come ball and squall down here. And, or we'll sit there and we'll say, yeah, I guess I just need to try harder. What's that? That's flesh. Try harder. Pastors will tell me, well, 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 Brother Rick, you know, you just, you, you got to talk about it. You got to, you, you, you got to, you got to, you got to, to, to set that standard of, 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 of holiness and, and godliness. And we're supposed called to, to, to walk and act just, just like, just like God. And say, do you do that? And if they say yes, just ask them a couple of questions and you can expose them. Because the truth is, is most of the time they'll admit that they don't. They'll say, what they'll say is, no, but I'm trying. At least I'm trying. As if you get points for trying. That's nowhere in the Bible. That if thou triest, it's accounted unto thee for righteousness. It's not in there. It's him who believes on this, on him. Right? But see, people believe a lie because they think it's about attaining a, some standard of human perfection. Which is try to get rid of all the flaws. Yeah. I heard one preacher saying, "When God, when when you when you stand before the Lord, and you know, and, you, you know, God's not going to say how many you know how many did you have in your church and how many countries did you go to. What he's going to ask you is, did you get all the sin out of your life?" And I thought, oh my goodness. And I had been to his church a couple of times, and I thought, I thought this guy was listening to me. Apparently, he wasn't. But I saw, the, I saw him on a video. I saw him on, on the TV screen. He, and he was saying, what he's going to say is, did you get all the sin out of your life? And he was preaching it and sweating it hard. Within six months, the man had gone back into his old sinful lifestyle. Lost his family, his marriage. And spent years, I, th- I think he's back, he's, he's 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 been restored, but it took him years. But see, and and and, and He didn't want to go into sin. He was trying to fight it, but he was trying to fight it carnally. Hmm? He was trying to fight it carnally. He thought God was expecting him to get rid of his flaws. Uh Mm -hmm. You're right. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. But those who live according to the Spirit, their minds are on the things of the Spirit. On the things of the Spirit. How many flaws are in the Spirit? Even by man's definition, there's none. <laughs> things of the Spirit. What's in, what's, 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 what are the things of the Spirit? Jesus, love, joy, grace, fullness, God. I mean, every, there ain't nothing in the Spirit negative. There ain't nothing wrong in the Spirit. <laughs> Come on. I, I can't, you can't condemn me. My wife will tell you that. We got into a disagreement one time. It's over. She goes and takes a walk. She'll, she'll tell you this while I'm telling it because she likes to tell this story. She says, "I said, Lord, I know there's no condemnation in you, but I think He could use just a little bit. <laughs> 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 you can't condemn me. Can you point out what's, Can you point out what's wrong in my life? Oh yeah, that's not hard. I can help you do that." Paul said, most most gladly, therefore, I'll just glory in my weaknesses. Because it's all about him anyway. Go ahead, talk to me. Go ahead and blame me. Go ahead and accuse me, devil. Go ahead and accuse me, people. Go ahead and point it out. But here's the good thing about this thing, because in this perfection in him, we do grow. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It just keeps going and going. So if you want to point out my flaws, go ahead. It really don't hurt my feelings, because I know about them, too. (laughs) But you better take a picture. It will last longer. Yeah, you hmm? Because we're growing in this. This is, where, this is where people say, well, if you don't have that pressure of condemnation, you know, how, will you, how will you push on? How will you grow? How will you get any better? How will you know more? Oh, my goodness. It, what I'm talking about, you will grow like a weed once you finally get rid of those things that entangle the things of the flesh, the things of the world that entangle us, which are trying to fix the things of the flesh. See, it's because of that. That's why a lot of ministry, a lot of ministry, got away from from the, from the whole gospel thing and became more about self help and about, about just trying to make you better and, and get you more financially on this and get your get your, your you know got into more a psychology thing because it's all about all that is is about fixing your flaws because the lie says if I fix my flaws I'll get happy if I fix my flaws I'll be blessed if I fix my flaws I'll have a good life. The, the, the thing about it, it's not possible. You were, it was never the plan. It was never the plan. He made us naked on purpose. P- nakedness speaks of weakness, vulnerability. Hmm? He never looked at Adam and said, Here you are, I made you this way. Now, I expect you to make yourself better for me. Nowhere in the mind of God. <laughs> Are y'all hearing anything? Yeah. Finally, Hebrews 10, and four, yeah. verse 14. Just a clear verse that says it. And there's so many others. In fact, if you want some homework, I can tell you, go to the New Testament. Look up everywhere in your Bible where it says perfect or perfection. And you will find every single time it's in the context of God's love. Matthew 5. Be ye perfect as your Father is perfect. What's he talking about? Love. Hmm? Everywhere that I've seen through that, it's always love. There's one perfect thing. 1 Corinthians 13. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What's 1 Corinthians 13 all about? Love suffers long. Love is kind. It's all love. What's that perfect thing? It was God's perfect love. That is perfection. God's love is perfect love. Not human love, but it's perfect love. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. Somebody say forever. Those who are sanctified. Now. Some of your Bibles might say who are being sanctified. That's, that's not right. That's not even in there. That's not, that's not in, the, in, the, in, the, in the text there. The, the, the translators put that in because that was their own idea. Look it up in a concordance where it says they are being. It does not say that. It says those who have been sanctified. Stand up with me, y'all. How y'all doing? May the God of peace present you holy, blameless. Come on. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your purity. How your flood just washes away the covering, the refuge of lies. So there's no covenant with death and no agreement with any of that hell. Now I thank you, Father, for the goodness that you are. And I thank you for the fullness that you are, that it's you, 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 you are our life. You are everything. We are with you, one with you, perfected with you, one with you. We walk with identity. We know that we're perfected in you. Has nothing to do, let it all wash away in every heart and every mind today. Has nothing to do with any of that. But we walk in you, trust in you, enjoy you, and watch this relationship union with you do all of the work that makes us to walk just like you do in this earth. We give you praise. Amen. Oh, Father, I'm telling you, church, I'm seeing something See, right now. A lot of people, a lot of times, we think a church is supposed to go out and make a stand for Jesus. We're not to go out and make a stand for, 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 for the Lord. We're not to try to just tell people what God would want or what wouldn't want. We're to be Christ in this world. This is who we are. Huh? Rather than guess uh, I don't have I don't have fights with people I don't have I don't have fights with the liberals and the Republicans and this and, this and that and, and 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 I know what I believe is the way to go and the and what, what we believe is, is 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 right and wrong I know all that but I know what this world needs is not for, for somebody to just take a stand for what's right because we'll operate in the knowledge of good and evil thinking that we're operating in the spirit we'll remember that we are Christ to this world. We are Christ presenting a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Huh? We ain't even called to fix this world in carnal ways and join carnal sides here. Now I vote, I get involved, I know, I mean I have opinions about the whole thing, but I don't forget who I am in this world. Are y'all listening to me? And you go out of here today, you're going out of here with one identity. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did this morning. I don't care if you kicked the dog on the way out of the house and yelled at your family on the way here. I'm telling you, God has presented you holy, perfect, blameless, thoughtless. None of that stuff means anything. Finally, I I was thinking of something that you were saying, uh, Carol, about those memories that people can't forgive themselves. And I remember a pastor saying that that he was praying for people and there was a, a lady that came up and she was just crying. She was heartbroken. And he said, I asked the Lord, I said, what, what's her issue, Father? And He said, she has, he, God told him, so he told her what God told him. He says, God tells me that there is a really horrible sin that you've committed. And she just, oh, no, she just knew she'd been found out. She said, and I asked, I asked the Lord, what did she do? And he said, I don't remember. (laughs) He told her that, and she looked up, and this big smile come on her face. (laughs) And that whole thing, there again, she had this mark on her. And it left, because in reality, God didn't remember. She was perfect. Let's give the Lord a praise.